Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Got a love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. So to begin, let's do our relaxation exercise. We're going to inhale through the nose and out through the mouth. One more time, this time focusing on dropping the shoulders, relaxing the jaw, taking the tongue off the roof of your mouth and breathing into your low belly. And again, hold for a few seconds and exhale. Doesn't that feel nice? Just like a little massage for your brain. It's fabulous. Okay, so let's get into the questions because usually on the channel, you know, we talk about a celeb scandal, but on the podcast, we go into the questions you guys have submitted to me because we can learn so much from each other and all the stuff that we go through together, right? Okay, so Livy sent this. She said, I just broke up with a guy I've been dating on and off for two years because I didn't feel like it was moving fast enough for marriage. I'm divorced in my 40s and he just turned 50. He's never been married, by the way, but he's got a 20-year-old son. As soon as we broke up, he starts dating a 28-year-old. He lives about three hours away, but he owns several vacation rentals in my area, so he's here in my town every weekend and calls me constantly like we're still together. We even spent Thanksgiving together. My question is, I don't want to be friends with this guy because I want more. How do I get him to marry me? Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, Shallon, I'm not 40s and divorced. I'm not 50 and I'm not dating a guy who's 50, whatever. Why are you reading this question? I'm just going to tune this out. This question doesn't apply to me. Oh, girl. Yes, it does. If nothing else, it shows us that men are men are men, whether they're 20, 30, 50, or 150. The issues we face don't really change. And that's kind of what it took me years to realize. I thought there was going to be some magical age where I would just like grow out of all of my issues. I'd wake up when I was 25 and I would no longer have eating issues and I, I would know exactly what to do with boys. It doesn't really work like that. So unless we get it together early on, we're going to keep facing the same problems, you know? And I remember watching Sex in the City, like when it was on and, and there was the episode where like Charlotte turned 36 and blah, blah, blah. And Carrie was like stressing about some breakup. And I remember thinking, if I am 36 years old and I'm still having issues with boys, I'm going to kill myself. Well, guess what, girls? You will still have issues with boys if we don't figure it out. So that's why we're talking about Livy's problem, because it actually is a problem that a lot of us have gone through no matter what age. So real talk, this guy is not going to marry you. Livy, he's not going to marry you. He's not going to marry anyone. And here's where the age does split. Like this dude is 50. He's on his path. He's got a kid. He's checked those boxes. He's not looking to walk down the aisle. If you're 41 and divorced and you want children, this is not your dude. This is not your dude, you know? What he does want is a woman who will stick around no matter what bullshit he pulls. And guess what? He's found it. You. He's found it in you. Like, it was interesting to me that, you know, oh, he comes for the vacation rentals and we see each other. So he's not coming just to see you. No, you are just this, like, you know, bonus package that comes with it. He is coming for his business, his bag, his goals. 
He's not making, you are not one of those things. You're like a nice bonus, yeah, but no. So you take that away. If, if those rentals burn down, would you never see him again? Would he ever make an effort? My guess is kind of no. If you weren't being like offered up to him on a silver platter and just spoon fed in the easiest possible way, what is his intentionality, you know? After two years, a guy knows how he feels about someone. After two months, he kind of knows how he feels about someone. Maybe not to the degree of marriage, but to the degree of I want this person to be my girlfriend or not. Two years on and off and he's not even your boyfriend? Girl, he's never going to be your husband, right? He can't commit to being BFGF. Like, is he 14 years old? No, he's worse. He's 50. This is why I don't like older guys because they do the exact same things way younger guys do, but they're unattractive. They're dumpy and bald and have hair in all the wrong places. Okay? At least if you're going to be a douchebag, you better be 22, a D1 athlete, and bring the heat. Okay, my boy? So if he's wishy-washy about being a boyfriend, he's not going to be a husband. And here's another thing I've learned. If I'm using words like, I ha how can I make him? How can I get him to? How do I make this work? I'm sunk. I am sunk. Love is not manipulation. And love, yes, is effort, but we have defined that in a way it was not meant to be defined. Love is effort in building something, right? You are building this foundation together. You're creating this life together. That part is the work, okay? It's not work to try to even get them to want to build it. Because think about this in terms of a job, right? If you're showing up in an office every single day begging them to hire you, you're not actually doing any work. You're not creating anything. You're just trying to get your foot in the door. So you can't say like, yeah, work is difficult. Well, how would you know you don't work there? You know what I mean? You're still trying. That's the same with this girl. Like, I got to make it work. I got to try to make it happen. It's not. It's not. I know that's hard to hear. Oh, it's been hard to experience. I've experienced this 100 million times. And when I'm harsh with you guys, it is because it really is because I care. I really hope I don't sound like an abusive man right now. You know, it's like you you make me hit you. <laughs> like no. But it's because I am desperate to keep you guys from repeating my mistakes and going down the paths that I've been on. It's terrible. So, you're right. You don't want to be friends with this guy. Why would you? This isn't friendship. This isn't friendship. What, would you define this with a female? Absolutely not. But this man is never going to be your yes. Never. Who cares why? Who cares why he's dating a 28-year-old? Maybe she doesn't want to get married. Maybe she doesn't have a biological clock that's ticking yet, or so she perceives it to be ticking, you know? I don't really subscribe to that bullshit, but and that's a whole other story. Or maybe she's dumb. Maybe she's e easily manipulated. Maybe she doesn't want a commitment. Who cares? Whatever it is she is doing is not what you want. You know, you're picturing them having exactly the relationship you want, and that is not it. That's not it. He just found someone who doesn't want what you do, who doesn't want as much as you do. And look, whatever you want and need out of a relationship is 100% valid, completely valid, right? But you're never going to find it if you keep banging your fists on a locked door. And this man is a locked door. So two years with a person sucks to feel like you've wasted it, but nothing is wasted if you have learned from it. And even if it is, even let's say it's completely wasted, isn't it worse to waste two years and one day? <laughs>
I think it is. So it's time to cut your losses and keep it moving. Okay, we've got a question from Liza. She said, I'm a sophomore and I'm transferring colleges in the spring. Before I knew that I was gonna transfer, I visited my best friend in November. I hooked up with her friend Luke after a party. He was the one to initiate it completely. And in the morning, he did not ask for my Snapchat, my phone number, or my Insta, or anything, probably because he thought he'd never see me again, right? So my friend tells me that he had a good time though. So, okay. Now I think I like him, but I have not been in contact. He's so hot and he's so awesome though. Now that I'm moving there, I have no clue how to act around him. I can't be friends with benefits with him. I like him too much. How could I make him like me even though we already slept together? So we're gonna go back to the question I just answered. Make him. How can I make him like me? Doesn't that phrase make you tired? Make something. You know what I make? Dinner, reservations, trouble. I don't make somebody like me. It is a waste of my energy. And one thing I've realized, actually I've learned two, two big things I've realized. Any guy can be aggressive and quote unquote pursue us when he wants to get laid right? The guys are at their most charming. Everything comes together. Their personality is the most crystallized and distilled into this magic potion of seduction when they want to get laid. Anyone can be nice for a few hours. Do you know when I realized this? My perspective, like I've had a lot of different like aha moments in terms of dating. And one of them came when I was reading about Hitler. I have always had this fascination with Hitler because he is the weirdest person. He only had one testicle. Doesn't that like just explain so much? But he was like obsessed with animals and made all these animal protection laws. What? Like he did though. It was crazy. So there, he's just this weirdo that I can't look away from. It's like awful car crash. And people, many, many people attested to how charming Hitler was at a party. And I had this light bulb moment. I'm like, holy shit, even Hitler can be charming. Even a monster can put on the cloak of charm as I put on <laughs> my, my cloaks of charm to get what they want for a few hours. They're sprinters, right? They're not marathoners. And a relationship is a marathon. And look, the number two thing I've realized, don't make excuses for why a guy isn't reaching out. He's not making those excuses, right? No. Nine times out of 10, when you guys message me, it's like, well, my boyfriend, he was doing this because of his depression, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, was he saying that? Was he coming up with that excuse? I kind of don't get the impression that he was. You are filling in those blanks for him. Think about this. You are making apologies for a man who doesn't even care enough to apologize himself. Doesn't even give a shit enough to shuck and jive and come up with some baloney about why he's not speaking to you or reaching out or pursuing you. All we're doing is breaking our own hearts. This guy isn't pursuing you because he doesn't want to. That is the ugly, ghastly truth. But we gotta walk in the light of the truth. And remember, the light doesn't always feel good. We look at the light, ah, we squint, our eyes hurt, eee, I hate it. But we know we have to be in it. We can't live in the dark, right? That's not healthy for us. We'll shrivel up and die. It's the same with information. Yeah. Maybe he didn't think that there was a point to getting in touch and staying in touch. He'd never see you again. Then let it go, right? Because this goes back to the Hitler thing. And I just realized I've talked about this Hitler thing in a previous, um, in a previous podcast. I don't know why I bring up Hitler so much. I'm sorry. That weird mustache. Ugh. Um, 
yeah, the Hitler thing, like anyone can be charming when they want something. And girl, you don't know him. You don't know him. You know the him that wanted to get laid. What is the him when there is no sex at the end of the, of the tunnel, you know? When there is no carrot on the stick. What is the him when he's taking you out on a date and he's not gonna get his dick sucked at the end of it? How does he act? Does he care? Is he even speaking to you? Would he even put himself in that situation? What is the him when you have a bad day, someone dies, you get an F on your final, you need a shoulder to cry on, there's not gonna be anal at the end of it, my dude. How does he act? Anyone can act reciprocal when they want something, right? Because there is a reciprocity there. He's nice to you, you give him sex, great. What a, what a fabulous transaction. You know, you almost have to envy prostitutes because there is a transaction. Everyone is on the same page. Situations like this, they aren't. You're not on the same page. You're on one, he's on another, but nobody even knows that. And then you make excuses for why he's on that page to try to make it seem like he's a little bit closer to yours. But remember, this guy knows where to find you. You have a friend in common, right? It's no skin off his back to slide into your DMs. They can do it on the toilet. Never forget this. If he wanted to reach out, he would. But I think a big reason you're focusing on this guy is because you're anxious about transferring. So it seems less scary if you kind of like already have this guy waiting for you, this scenario that you can project all of your anxiety onto. Oh, baby girl, do you know what this is called? A hurt locker. This is a hurt locker. We got one, we got one. A hurt locker is, if you're new to this channel and this podcast, is what I call a guy in whom we store our hurts or our dreams or our anxieties or our fears. He's a storage unit. And we imprint upon people when we are in a vulnerable state. We're anxious about something, we're dreading something, we're bored, we're stagnant, we're unsure. So we hitch our wagon to theirs, right? But the problem is when that doesn't work out or when they leave, they take our wagon with them. They take our identity, they take our sense of self, they take all of our hopes and dreams, and we feel absolutely emptied out. And then we start fixating and obsessing, right? And I've talked before about how hurt lockers very often, when we like imprint upon a guy, it's because we want to be like them. We want the qualities they have, and we don't know how to interpret that feeling with, with guys. We can do it with women, it comes out as like jealousy or like fangirling, but with guys, it just spits out as love and obsession. But I don't think that's this type of hurt locker. This is, I'm uncomfortable, I want to imprint on him because if I focus on him, if I project everything I'm feeling onto him and transfer it all, then I'm gonna feel more comfortable about literally transferring, transferring schools. But all you're gonna do is set yourself up for a lot more misery because shit like this, it takes on a life of its own, you know? This isn't just a monkey vine you're grabbing onto until you get where you're going. You're gonna go there, you're gonna make a absolute fool out of yourself trying to pursue him then you're going to associate this school with this foolish feeling you know you're going to think maybe it was stupid to transfer I hate this it's going to make a bad imp first impression on you you don't need to do this compartmentalize him it was fun but it was a learning opportunity and now I'm going to go forward realizing that while it sucks if a guy doesn't try to get my information he ain't into it he ain't into it and I don't know someone after one night. I don't know someone after one month, right? It takes a very long time to truly get to know someone's character 
and see who they are when, like I said, there's no carrot on a stick. I think you need to focus on the future and it's going to be scary. It's going to have its ups and downs. It's going to be nerve wracking. Everything in life is like that. From learning to walk, to learning to drive, to going off to a different college, to moving to a big city and having a baby and blah, 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 blah. This is the human existence, but nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? We have to go boldly in the direction of our dreams. Get to that school and focus on all these other options. You are now going in there so much smarter than you were before having this hookup. Go in there and focus on just eating up this new exciting opportunity. Don't focus on one dude who just isn't it. So this question comes from Tara. She said, hi, boo. Hi. My best friend is very toxic. We don't share the same values, mindsets, or goals. She isn't growth focused, but very unproductive, entitled, demanding, victimizes herself constantly. Her life depends on how I treat her. I cut her off for a while, but it got worse. She's obsessed with us in a very unhealthy way. She doesn't add value to my life, and instead she just drains me. Setting boundaries did not work. I'm tired of her gossiping and fat shaming others, especially because I also struggle with weight. I mean, right? That's terrible. She wants to text me 24 hours a day and gets furious if I don't reply. I don't know how to fix her or us and get my point across without her taking it as an attack and playing the victim. <sighs> well, this girl sounds like a nightmare, obviously. But the questions I, al I always ask is, and it's the question nobody wants to hear, we know what's wrong with her. We know. What's wrong with you? What are you telling yourself to make this dynamic okay? What about this is familiar? What about this are you permitting and promoting? You know, it's not your fault she behaves the way she does. Not at all. You're not Dr. Frankenstein who created this monster. But it is your fault that she is behaving this way inside your life. Right? You behave that way all you want in Mongolia. You don't do that shit in my house. I think it was telling that you said that the boundaries didn't work. That's because you didn't enforce them, right? You gave in. Fences work when you build them strong. A fortress works. And I'm not like turning this on you, but like it is important to know that like we have a responsibility when we find ourselves in a situation that we seemingly can't break out of to do an autopsy of our own behavior and say, hey, how am I contributing to this? Because if not, it just continues, you know? And again, like we can't focus on like, is this my fault? No, I'm the victim. You, no, you're not a victim. None of us are victims, okay? That's for Taylor Swift and Selena Gomez. We are warriors. And the warriors got to look at things objectively, right? So it's not like it is your responsibility to expel this person from your life. In the same way, it's your responsibility to keep a burglar out of your house. You can't expect like all the burglars to be like, you know what? We're just not going to go there. We don't need to go to her house. It's totally fine. No, you understand that that is a risk no matter what. You didn't create it, but you got to take steps against it. And interlopers in our life and people who drain us and who are like emotional criminals, we have to take the same precautions, right? So I think, so you have to do an inventory of all the ways that you're giving in to her. You know, the texts you're responding to, the times you're meeting up with her, even though you're exhausted and drained, the fat shaming comments that you let fall by the wayside, you know, because you are letting this in. And yeah, she's not going to like this, but this is what you have to do. Send her an email. Don't have it as an in-person conversation and like break up with her if you feel like you need to. Who gives a shit if she sees it as an attack or she plays the victim? She can do that in a vacuum. 
You don't have to witness that. You don't have to be a party to it. And you don't have to let your guilt control you, you know? You send her that breakup email and then you block her. And you can tell her that you're going to. Like, we need a break. This isn't something I signed up for. This is a toxic relationship. So look, I'm, I'm blocking you on my Instagram. Or You don't even have to say that if you want to. But look, she's not going to take it well. She's going to kick and scream and talk shit about you and comment weird things on your social media. That's fine. That's okay. That is proof positive she doesn't belong in your life because that means, that lashing out means she's furious because she doesn't have control. When people behave like that, I don't want, I don't think that that's hurt feelings. I know that people are like, oh, anger means you're hurt. Ah, not always, not always. Anger sometimes means you don't get to call the shots anymore and you're not in control and people are absolutely livid about that. That's how a, like, physical abuses, they lash out because they're not in control. And if she really did miss you, if this was a heartbroken thing, she would probably express it thusly. I'm so sorry, my heart is broken, you've hurt my feelings, blah, blah, blah. But if she's lashing out in a mean way, that's control. And that means you ain't got nothing to feel guilty about, right? Like she's mad basically that you, her slave, has escaped. So remember, like I always say, the only people who are furious at your boundaries are the ones who benefited from you having none. But also remember that we teach people how to treat us. And based on results, she has gotten the memo that she can treat you like this. You're going to let her back in. Oh, you're going to text her back. You're going to go for coffee. And that's got to stop. It's like training a dog or a child. They've got to know that 100 times out of 100, X behavior yields Y result with absolutely no exceptions. And look, you don't have anything to feel guilty about. If you're really concerned with safety, you don't care how a fence look. A fortress is not meant to be pretty, it's meant to be safe. So Lauren submitted this last question and ooh, it's a doozy. Shallon, I did something terrible. My best friend is studying abroad for six months and she'll be back in January. While she was gone, ugh, I kissed the boy she likes at a party when we were really drunk. She's had a lot of dates with him before she left and went abroad, and she really likes him. I regret it so much. I hate myself for doing it. It happened three months ago, and I never told her because I'm ashamed and I'm afraid the friendship will be ruined. Yesterday, she sends me a message, message saying she heard rumors about the boy and I. They were very vague, so I just denied them. I don't know what she believes. What should I do? Oh, my God, this is the worst. Oh, this is a doozy. Isn't it the worst when you do something bad and you think someone knows, but you can't just outright ask me like, do you know what I did? <laughs> like, can you tell me what you think I did? And then I can tailor my lie to sort of uh, push that away, right? So yeah, on one hand, I mean, deny till you die, right? If you think she doesn't really have a lot of like belief in these rumors or it's just kind of something she said offhand and she thinks she, you, that she bought your excuse, maybe just let it go. I don't know, man. But on the other hand, if you feel like she feels like she's being gaslighted, that ultimately will ruin the friendship probably more than you kissing the boy. No one likes to be gaslighted. It's truly, it is crossing the Rubicon. You know, it. you can't come back from gaslighting someone. It's awful. So if that's kind of how she feels, or if you feel like maybe it would get into that territory where she's going to keep bringing it up again, and you're going to have to deny it. Because remember, there are two people involved in this. And you kissed at a party. Girl, there were witnesses. And there's another dude. He might come clean. If he comes clean and you don't, you are fucked. 
you are absolutely screwed. She will never, like there, there won't be coming back from that, right? I mean, I've been through this. I've talked about this before. Like my best friend from high school and college slept with my boyfriend. He was the one who told me about it. And when I confronted her, she didn't even really like deny it. She was just like, I, I will always love you. I'm like, what is that? That's not an apology. It's not an admission. It's just like a platitude. This isn't a Hallmark card. Like, and I never spoke to her again, ever. Cause like, you didn't even have the courtesy almost to like lie or something or come clean. It was just a lie. So look, if you are gonna confess, make it count. Here's how a bad apology goes. I'm sorry. Here's how a good apology goes. This is what I've learned from the situation. First of all, I'm disgusted with myself. I feel ashamed and heartbroken in my behavior. And this is not behavior I want from myself. And so I really dug deep and I was like, why did I do this? And you gotta, you gotta figure it out, girl. On one hand, it makes sense that we kind of crush on our friends' crushes because we're pretty similar. So it stands to reason we would like kind of the same people, you know? On the other, I think it's significant when we go for someone who our friend is like very invested in. You know, it's not like you guys were just at a bar and it's like, well, may the best man win. Like she has a whole relationship with him. That tells me this might be more about you and her than you and him. That I think was the case for me and my friend. Like of all the men in Los Angeles, she had to sleep with my short, balding boyfriend. Like really, really. And had she gotten to the root of why she did that, I maybe could have accepted that as like growth and explanation. But because she didn't, that told me she didn't learn anything and therefore the likelihood of this happening again was high. No, maybe she wouldn't sleep with my boyfriend again, but she'd probably lie to me again. I couldn't trust her because there was no truth. There was no realization. So if you're gonna go to her hat in hand and apologize, that's how you approach it. You already do that emotional work. Not like, I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know why I did it. We've talked about this in a video before. Saying you don't know why you did something is like saying you didn't do a book report because the pages of the book were blank. No, they're not. You just didn't read them. Don't blame the book. It's the same thing. That answer is within us, right? It is our job. It is our life's work as humans to read what is written on our psyche. It's not always fun. It's not always a great story but it is a story worth reading so that we can get smarter and wiser in advance. And you know what? Maybe you won't salvage this friendship, but if you learn from it, if you truly learn a huge life lesson, that maybe is what the friendship was there to teach you the whole time. Maybe this isn't a sad, horrible chapter in your life. It's a signpost on your overall journey, but only you can know that by reading what's written. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.